It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome to Claret and Blue. My name's Stan Rowlinson. I'm joined by Matt Kendrick, who for the audio listeners is waving a unicycle, and John Townley with massive, massive smiles on all of our faces. Loads of people watching this live, by the way, so welcome. Thank you for clicking on our podcast the night that Aston Villa qualified for Europe for the first time since I was a teenager in high school and Matt had hair. Um, gents, I'll come to you first, John. How are we? Yeah, I'm buzzing, mate. I, everything that I thought it would be. Um, surreal. It really was to be there at Villa Park today and yeah, just buzzing with with the result and we're finally back in Europe. It's, it's just crazy, it really is. And again, for the audio listeners, Matt's already on the beer. How's things over that end, Matt? You were a teenager in high school. When was that, 2010? Um, yeah, I'd have been 15 in 2010. So I'd have been towards the end of leaving school. Yeah. I thought that 13 years ago. Yeah, it's Mad. a different world. I'd have been 32. <laughs> so, not much change other than I used to have a quiff. Uh, how loud is Villa Park today? Ah, oh, unbelievable. I don't, again, I'm not quite sure where we're going to go on this podcast, how much we're actually going to talk about the game. I don't know how relevant that is and how much people care about it. We're going to flip between the atmosphere and I'm sure prize where it lies is going to get a mention from you, Max. I've already seen you tweeting about it. And obviously, European football is the, the main topic. I'm also very wary that we're doing a live show on Thursday. Tickets are sold out to that, but that's kind of a season roundup where we're going to be repeating ourselves on that and on this. Um, but yeah, let's go atmosphere first. Where does that rank? Because again, there's a bit of recency bias here, I imagine. But that, to me, felt like one of the best atmospheres I can remember. Is that aimed at me or John? I don't care. Go on, John. It was, yeah. Um, yeah, I can't sort of compare it to much because I can't really remember how electric it was uh, before today. But there was like that moment at the end when I think it was like the fourth minute of the sixth minute that was added um, in the second half. And I think the ball went out and there was like a pocket of cheers from the whole end. Into, not cheers, but sort of like a rousing sort of like, come on, we're nearly there sort of thing. And then it sort of just went around the whole stadium and it would just turn into like a really loud shouting noise. <laughs> I couldn't really, it wasn't a chant, it was just a noise. And that, uh, yeah, in the sort of dying embers of the game, that that for me sort of kind of the hairs on the back of my neck stood up. And I actually went on my voice uh, voice memos on my iPhone and I just recorded it because I was like, I've got to keep this noise. <laughs> and then, I, yeah, yeah. And I let it play from, um, from then until uh, it was like Sweet Caroline and all sorts. So, yeah. Really memorable, and even more so now it's on my voice memos. <laughs> you're gonna play it to get yourself to sleep. Is the, that's gonna be your relaxing way? Of, some people have wow music. You're gonna have the old ten doing the nut. <laughs> the season. I um because I'm because I'm an idiot and I'm an idiot dad. Like when there's that like, really really loud din, I 
think it's probably the time John was talking about. I turned to my lad and I started singing, This is a library. Um, <laughs> Paul. And uh, I don't know whether I've said it before, but he reserves the right to swear on match days because uh, mm. that's 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 the rule that we have. He swore directly in my face, um, <laughs> and it was thoroughly deserved. So, don't repeat uh, it for God's sake, don't repeat it on this, on this show. Maybe if I'm the live, I'll let you swear, but not tonight. Um, yeah, the recent memory, the playoff semi-final against Albion is probably up there in terms of we're playing for something positive here. Like, we're all in this together. You know, if we go over the line here, we achieve, obviously, you're not promoted then, but we achieve something by getting to the playoff final. That's a comparative to me, like walking up to the ground, people are singing already. There's a load of kind of buzz outside. I miss the, the coach arrivals, but I've seen videos of it since on social media, and that looks, I forget what people were saying before, about it's Tim Pot and Small Time. That looked great to be part of that, welcoming the coach and all these things, as much as we kind of have it as a bit of a cliche being the 12th man, it absolutely makes a difference if Villa Park is rocking like that to the players 100% and it would be amazing if it was like that every every single game. It's, you know, it's not always going to be like that, of course, but certainly up there for me as one of the best I can remember. Um, the flags and stuff, great. The, the pre-match banner or whatever you want to call it in in the whole and the the mosaic flag things looked unbelievable the fire going off the music i thought you know matt you and me have done a podcast this season about the atmosphere and how do we kind of manufacture it and what can the club do i think pretty much everything was spot on today that it, it was a mixture of kind of we're going to give you a few things like jed steer and olaf melberg but also leave it to you to be organic and sing and make the noise yourself i think they got it spot on yeah i thought it was um I thought he was it was brilliant, and even the first five ten. Listen, the atmosphere that, that came from the stands as well that was natural and not not artificially created. I think really set the tone. But in the first five or ten minutes, you no know, Brighton, a good possession team, and we were, were pressing high and we were putting them under pressure in the first ten minutes. I mean, when did the goal come after in, after ten minutes? Before then, was it? I think eight minutes. I think so. I think that kind of set set the tone. It was almost like right, okay. We've got ourselves in this position. Let's do everything we possibly can as players, mm. as a team, as a squad, as a club and as a fan base to get this over the line. And I think, you know, people probably will think of the, the glorious Aston Villa getting excited about finishing in the, you know, seventh in the league and, you know, the, the, the conference league and stuff. But you've got you've to gotta factor this into the context of the journey that we've been on, to be honest. And it's not just the fact that we could play some kind of, you know, bloody Romanian, <laughs> you know, yeah. unknown team. This is the fact that this has been the culmination of a lot of peaks and troughs, a lot more troughs than peaks in recent yeah. years. So I think, and this probably does sound a bit too cliched, and we've spoken before about getting our Villa back and stuff like that. I think Aston Villa, I'm biased, but I think Aston Villa should be competing at this level. So three yeah. or four years of us finishing in Europe, I don't expect it to be quite the same celebration and carnival that it was today. Mm. We we'll probably get a little bit kind of rolling our eyes, and we'd only we'd only want that kind of carnival when we come in bringing a trophy back to Villa. But given that the 13 years since since Martin O'Neill went, and some of the false dawns that we've had, and some of the mess that we've had to deal with, I think we deserve that today. And I think yeah, we've got to celebrate it the way that we did. Yeah. Me and my dad were talking about it on on the way over today, and there's been this kind of narrative that like you just said there about kind of glorious Aston Villa celebrating a, a tin pot competition or, or whatever kind of neutrals will we'll throw at it that it's not as good as the Europa League it's not as good as the Champions League Villa won the European Cup 40 years ago like they, they used to win titles they're celebrating 7th place there might be a pitch invasion blah 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 it's like 
it's the the context of where we've where we've been and I remember doing podcasts I think the maybe the year after we stayed up in the Premier League and it was kind of like well look where we were two years ago we were in the championship losing to X team we were almost on the on the, the brink of financial collapse and we kind of said yeah but let's stop harking back to the championship days like it's in the past now we're trying to move forward and the Gerard era comes and goes and, and fails and you kind of think well you've got to stop looking back at some point but when you finally achieve something by getting back into Europe I think that gives us the almost the permission to be able to look back and reflect when a new owner comes into a football club you hear a lot of the cliche of a five-year ten uh, a five-year plan or a 10-year plan and it's we want to do this 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 and by then we want to get to there and it's a very kind of oh yeah well let's see where we are five years is a long time in football but it is five years now I think it's five years ago almost to the day that we lost the, the playoff final to, to Fulham and were almost on the brink of financial collapse then you get promoted the following year you stay up you piss about in mid-table excuse my French with 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 um Steven Gerrard and then now you've culminated by getting into into European football again and whatever level it is I don't really care at this point you win the, if everyone's saying this conference league isn't that great win it then and get into the Europa League like it's a, it's a step into the next stage isn't it so absolutely celebrate it if, you, if you're watching this not on Sunday night and you've been out having a drink I hope you had a great time and enjoy it because where we've been over the last 10 years or so this is the best time we've had since promotion and people are saying don't celebrate promotion too much because we shouldn't have been in the championship in the first place, but we were. And to get out of it was an achievement. And and now getting into seventh is an achievement. And like you said, Matt, hopefully in five years' time, it's that getting into fourth is an achievement or winning the FA Cup is an achievement. And finishing seventh would almost be seen as not progress. We've gone full circle, haven't we? It was, as in from where we were under O'Neill. So that's why I think it feels like tangible success because although we're not winning a trophy for it, this is the... We've got back to where we fell from, if if you follow me. It's, it's kind of gone from, I mean, I suppose you could say. It's also, it's, sorry to interrupt, it's almost a generation of Villa fans to an extent as well. Like I said, I was in high school when we were back in Europe. John, you were what? I was nine. Ten or something? Nine, exactly. That's what I mean. You're now a fully grown adult. Like That whole 10-year period has passed, or 13-year period has passed, where there's a kind of new blood of, of fans in now that won't even have seen us win any trophies at all. And the only thing they've seen us do is finish top six with O'Neill and the, the playoff final. So, yes, we might go out in the group stages of this competition next year, but for for right now, celebrate the fact that we've took a step forward into Europe and, and keep pushing forward as far as you can. I it's... think the thing is, Dan, as well, that we're we're not unique in being a fan base that wants to win things and wants to win trophies. There's not that many trophies to win. This gives us another opportunity, you know. Yeah. Listen, yeah. I'm not ruling us out of the winning the Premier. Don't clip this. I'm not ruling us out of winning the Premier League title or winning the FA Cup or winning the League Cup next year. But let's be realistic. When we start the season, we're probably talking about probably not even talking about the FA Cup because that that's like the holy grail that continues to elude us. But talking about starting the season, can we win the League Cup this year? That's probably the thing. At least we've got another opportunity now. And you know. <clears throat> There will be good teams that we, we compete against, but this is, a, this is a competition that we can go in and we can think, well, actually, we've got a chance of going going far in this competition. And yeah, kind of probably, we still want to be a competitive Premier League force, so we can't be one of those squads ideally who falls off, you know, because they've got Europe as a distraction. But we've got something else. We've got our hat in the ring to go and compete mm. and try and win something else. So... I think we need, and we we are anyway, but I don't think we need to apologise for celebrating this. 
yeah, the celebration police will be out wearing it on Talksport or, or you know, neutral fans going, oh, look at little old Villa celebrating fourth, uh, seventh place. But yeah, screw them all. I don't care. Celebrate it as much as you want. Um, we're going to talk a little bit again. We are, like I said, it's the end of season now. We are doing an end of season show uh, live on Thursday, on the first of June, which will be a podcast as well, probably this time next week. And a lot of things we say tonight might kind of feed into that and vice versa. But we've got to talk about Unai Emery. Just an absolute genius. I've called him on social media this afternoon for for the kind of turnaround he's done. Well, some of the numbers in front of me that again I'll share at a later date. Forty nine points from twenty six games. Forty three points in twenty twenty three specifically. Only Man City have more with fifty three. It's a one point eight eight points per game average, which would equal out as a seventy one points in a season. Which that projected figure, if that was to happen this season would have tied us fourth place with Newcastle. So let's say we get into the Champions League on goal difference. Um, the turnaround is unbelievable. I would love to to stick a video together and it would take a lot of work and I probably won't get around to doing it of the things we've said throughout the year because there's absolutely no way, you know, even in the mid-season review we'd done when Emery had just taken over and we'd won the first two league games under him. We said about, is Europe a possibility? And Matt, you said, don't be silly. Like, let's let's move on. It's not even worth talking about. And we'd have said that a lot of times throughout this season. Like, all right, York's a step too far. That's, that's I knew it was going to happen, really. I just, I just wanted to uh, play yeah. gold, you know what I mean? Yeah. But the turnaround, it's unbelievable, isn't it? I, I, I've run out of words to describe, you know, I am really that... <laughs> I don't want to call him a legend already, because I know that's a, a word that's thrown around very easily. But I've said before, like, I feel like... If you give Emery five years, we'll win a trophy, and that will put him into a bracket of a manager that has done has done something that you know not many managers have done that. So he's heading towards being a legend already. I would say like he's he's not there yet, of course, but genius, god, whatever you want to call him. I've run out of normal description words for him because he he's better than anything I could verbalize. Yeah, he's like I said, it's like era defining in a way. Like without him coming in. We, obviously, we wouldn't be in Europe. We wouldn't have this optimism that we're trading with right now. Um, I think it was our 18th win of the season as well, which is a uh, which matches the club record um, yeah. for 1996 in terms of a season. Yeah, and we'd only won three games out of 13 before he was appointed. So that again, that's another sort of how far we've come under him. Again, but we're not just. I don't know. I say like we're we're picking up. Loads of points, obviously, but we're playing a brand of football that is his brand of football. He hasn't just come in and we're doing some things, tweaked a bit here and there. He's completely transformed how we play, transformed our fortunes in terms of results. There isn't something that he hasn't turned, if that makes sense. Like nothing has been, everything he touches has turned to gold at the moment. And again, that's so exciting because he signed two players, one of which is a 19-year-old striker who hasn't started a game yet. And the other one, unfortunately, is going to be injured for most of pre-season, we think. But going into next season as well, like it's crazy to be the only team or only Man City have got more points in, this in, in 2023 or more wins or whatever the stat is. That proves that next season we can do this over a whole season because he's had, what, 24, 25 games now, Emery, in the Premier League. It's not just a you know a run of 10 games or we've won nine, uh, seven games in a row at home. So we can do this over yeah. a whole season and who knows where that's going to take us. Obviously, now we're going to have uh, football on a Thursday night if we get through this playoff round. Um, 
I mean, hopefully we do. And Come then, on, John. When we get through uh, the playoff round. Come on. I'm trying to say that. Um, but If this competition is so easy that it's just like, oh, we're probably going to win it, we're going to get through the playoff round. All right. <laughs> and then Come on. whether that interrupts off season or not, we know that we can do it over the course of the Premier League season. We're only going to add to the squad as well. But yeah, in terms of the transformation, you can't, you're right, there isn't an adjective or a word to sort of describe how how far he's taken us. And to be fair, even I thought when the Premier League um, sort of manager of the season came out, I know there's a lot of filler fans saying, oh, it has to be Emery. And I was kind of like, well, you know, look at what Gary O'Neill's done at Bournemouth and what if Guardiola wins a treble. But really, when you look at it, now that we've actually qualified for Europe, <laughs> he literally couldn't have done anything more. Like, he genuinely couldn't have. So, and he, again, he wasn't here for yeah, half We should have won at Wolves, to be fair. We should have won at Wolves. <laughs> We should be putting knocking on the Champions League door, to be honest. You know, he's let well, me well that's what I mean. We're only 10 points away this season. And considering the start that we had under Steven Gerrard and that we had missed up opportunities under Emery as well, like we're not a million miles away already. Yeah, well, I, um, it's funny you say, what what do we call him? What What is he? What is, you know, I, I pride myself on being a wordsmith, but even I'm struggling. I've just looked at the online thesaurus to try and find out what it is. And, you know, I thought trailblazer, and I've looked looked at the thesaurus, tra- trailblazer, and this stuff like trendsetter, groundbreaker, pioneer. He's just to do what he's done mid-season is ridiculous. It really is. It really is ridiculous. And I think one of the reasons, and we're we're massively biased, but the fact that that he's been overlooked for manager of the season. Listen. There's a few contenders there, but and I'm, I'm jumping a bit bit here. But Jacob Ramsey today sums up to me Aston Villa. What a talent! What energy! What brilliance! You know, he's a gifted, gifted kind of guy. But he's almost passing the world by. And I think mm. that's like Aston Villa and Unai Emery. It's almost like people are, are, are refusing or, or just haven't quite understood what's going on. Yeah, there's some really special people. The real, really special vibe. It's a Villa podcast. I don't really care about whether the wider world's talking about it, but the fact yeah. that we're able to talk about it is brilliant. I think Emery fits in the same category. It's just kind of people are just this is happening, and I don't know whether we're kind of trendy enough for them or whether it's because Villa are a big club anyway. You know, it was only a matter of time before they got there, but it's almost like this whole thing has slipped under the radar. Um, yeah. I find it bizarre. I do. I find it find it bizarre. And obviously, Brighton, Brighton have been brilliant. Brighton, Brighton probably are your surprise success story this season. So I can understand why why they've commanded headlines. But you talking about Emery and the job he's done and he couldn't have done any more. Imagine if Emery, Emery would have come into a let's say it was Chelsea. Let's say let, let, let's say Grand Potter gets the axe earlier in the season and Emery comes in and creates that transformation for Chelsea and takes them from halfway down the league and gets them in the Champions League. How different is the narrative then? Mm. He's suddenly the man and he's done the equivalent to that, effectively. Okay, he hasn't got us to the Champions League, but he's effectively done done the equivalent to that. But let's let's allow him to be our secret going forward. You know, let, let let them finally kind of anoint... Um, the Sultan of Unai when he's lifting up uh, some big trophies for us. Uh, in the meantime, yeah. we'll, we'll just praise him ourselves. I think, the, but, uh, and we all agree with it in terms of outsiders and football fans, pundits, whoever might not be speaking about us and in the way that we should and obviously the media outside of us, but people within football are well aware of what's going on here and people know how good Emery is and when he joined us, 
there was only rave reviews about what we were getting. And I think John McGinn said in maybe last week or before the game, he said that if we were to get Europe, we already know that that's going to attract a better profile of players and players mm-hmm. want to play under Emery. Obviously, Alemania didn't <laughs> turn up in the end, but we're only going one way. And whether people like it or don't care about it or whatever, people within football and how we're going to expand and progress as a football club, that's what matters. And for me, that's Emery just is so important to how we will progress as a football club. We've already seen it so far. Yeah, I'd give him a new contract. Like we need to, something pay him more. I don't know what he must I said be that, didn't I, at one point. Remember, we had that discussion about why does he get a yeah. new contract? I'll give him one now as well, yeah. I, and I said, to be fair, at the time, like, oh, he must be on a good amount of money to get him here in the first place. But Jesus, like, we've actually got, we're in Europe now. <laughs> it's actually happened. So now that we're over the line, I'm almost like, well, th- this guy is, he is God at the moment for Villa. He genuinely is. We, no, we can't really go wrong with him. It, we're only going to go mm. one way. So I don't know if there's something, listen, I'm sure the owners, look, they're trying to, back him as much as they can and, and they will continue to. They, so they try to get Alemania, they try to, they're going to back him with players and again, I'm sure he's on a lucrative wage considering that um, he turned down Newcastle or whatever a couple of years ago or last year. But is there something we can do? I don't know. Even... I'm not having a whip round for him, John. You know what I mean? <laughs> times, times are hard. I know. It's just, it's, it's the thought of he's so important right now. Um, I don't know. He's clearly, you know, he loves the club and he's you know, settled well and started so good. But, yeah, maybe a new contract. I don't know. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Potentially. He's not, yeah, he's not going to be going anywhere, but it's the show of faith that you're our man, yeah. we believe in you, yeah. and, and here's, a, here's a, a basically a little bit of a bonus. I mean, he's probably got a bonus for calling over Europe anyway in his contract, let's face it. We're all going to talk about bits of the game and a bit and individual players, but just while we're on the kind of vibe of how far we've come, it's interesting, Matt, you mentioned Chelsea earlier and kind of what would Emery have done there. Did we all remember when we were like at loggerheads with Chelsea just trying to get into the top half? And it was, I think we were on 35, 36 points, something like that, for ages. Are we not still we in 11th? I thought we were stuck in 11th. Uh, have we, have we, have we climbed? Honestly, the difference between, you know, that kind of, that turning point when we beat them and we, I think we won three games in a week. Chelsea finished 12th, by the way, which is where we were trying to get home for a long time with 44 points. Now, me and my dad were trying to work out, I think when we beat them, we overtook them on 38. So Chelsea have picked up six points since that period, which was what, March time, maybe? Villa Six finished points. on six. They're on 44 points now. I'm sure it was like mid to late 30s when we overtook them. I mean, I could find the lead tab and prove it, but it, 37, 38, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Villa ended on 61. That's a 17-point gap on Chelsea that we that we're kind of... It was also them who gets in the top half, Chelsea or Villa. And we've just gone on a rocket, on unbelievable form, as we all know. It's just... 
yeah, I, I can't quite believe how, how big of a turnaround it is, to be honest. Yeah. And this is stuff that we'll talk about more on on the end of season show um, at the back end of the week. Um, I just feel like again going back to the atmosphere. Did, did you both stay like right till the end with all the lap of appreciation and all that? Yeah, yeah. You as well, Matt. Yeah, and it was interesting that Unai kept us waiting, didn't he? You know, yeah. was, uh, everybody else had, had come around the pitch about six times, and uh, it was interesting to see him walking around the pitch with. With Wes Edens and, and, and Nasef Sawiris, and uh, yeah, you know, I, mean, I can't, I can't lip read and I can't speak Spanish, but I can, I can imagine him saying, "Yeah, and I've achieved this, and I've got Jan Bednarek in my team when when I first arrived. <laughs> imagine what I could do with uh, a, a few, a few kind of acquisitions." Um, but now it was but to me. Uh, go on, sorry. Sorry to try to put in the point I'm, I'm trying to make with, with kind of the end atmosphere and. Like like you said, John, like the last couple of minutes of the game, like that again. I've made a few comparisons this week about how I feel this game was a bit like the playoff final, and we've already done the hard bit by getting here, and I've backed us to win today, and that's how I felt at Wembley four years ago. Stoppage time at Wembley is, is one that all fans go back to. Was like what an excruciating time that was. The stoppage time today was like with Brentford beating Man City, which I've gone big on saying, well, Brentford will get nothing against Man City, so don't worry about them. And maybe Leeds will get something against Spurs, possibly. But we had to win today with both of those other sides winning as well. So that, I think yeah. you chopped it, Dan. I think you chopped it from the final edit. But I said on Friday, it's going to be a two-one. It's going to be excruciating for the last. Few yeah, minutes. you did. Bring it on! I said it. Yeah, I said you it. Did. To be fair, I knew we were going to win it. We're even even when yeah. the six minutes went up, it wasn't as if we were being back to the wall, heading balls off off the goal line. But it was still a little bit too. Yeah, still it's still a, Spurs had already beat, beat Leeds. Like Brentford have gone and yeah. gone and beat Man City, but. I don't know. I just yeah. believed. I believed it was going to happen. Yeah, but today. like a, a silly decision or a last-minute penalty, and we draw the game. We finish yeah. ninth today. Oh no, my! Let me lose from so. the referee when we get a chance. I know people. Yeah, are well, yeah. We'll talk about David Coote and his juggling balls in a minute. Um, but to me, that that kind of whole atmosphere and us all getting over the line and the pre-match and the flags and everything and. I, you know, I thought there might be a bit of a hint of the new badge somewhere today. That's kind of a, bringing in a new era now next year. Whatever you think of the badge is kind of irrelevant. But the kind of the overarching point that we're on this upwards journey, the owners are fully behind the project and will invest. The manager is unbelievable. And, you know, I'll, unless you're talking Guardiola or whatever, I probably wouldn't want to swap him for anyone else in the league anyway. I wouldn't, I wouldn't swap the... him for anybody now. Anybody. No, for what he's building with Villa, yeah, agreed. But where we're heading, it's almost like when you when you see that final whistle go and the, the songs come out and the crowd is unbelievably loud. I wasn't wearing my watch today, but the last game I was there, I got like a noise alert saying, you're in a loud environment, watch out for your ears. If I was wearing it today, I honestly feel like it would have vibrated off my wrist. It was, it was so loud. To me, that felt like, imagine what this place would be like if we'd just won a trophy or, God forbid, we win the league title. We qualify for the Champions League. Like, this is us finishing seventh place and the worst European trophy out of the three. And yes, like, context is important here because when we've achieved more, you won't celebrate seventh place like we have there. But to me, that shows the potential that's there with Aston Villa now and this kind of talk of sleeping giant, blah, blah, blah. If anyone didn't quite realise how big this club could be and what the potential here is with NSWE and Emery, that was there as an example to show we're heading in towards again, potential here because we can't read the future, potentially towards big things with this kind of setup. It's very exciting. Do you not think? Do you share my... You know what I take from that? And this is me being pathetic. Does that watch not annoy you? If it's like kind of... It tells you things... Does it tell you to, like to put a coat on? You know, you, you won't feel the benefit. Is that, it's it like tell... having your mum on your wrist. 
it does buzz me every hour saying, time to stand up. And I'm like, oh, God, all right. Yes. Time for Europe. <laughs> yeah, time for Europe. We're, we're a big club, mate, ain't we? We're, we're, we're yeah, of course, we know. Mate. Yeah, we know that, of course. Um, right. Let's talk about a couple of instances in the game. And you've already mentioned the referee, so let's get that out of the way, as a, get the negative out of the way. I feel a little bit here like both clubs on you know blue and white that are, blue and white are Brighton and Hove po- po- podcast they'll be saying the same things about the ref's not giving us anything today blah, blah, blah. I feel like both teams won't have been very happy with the referee today but specifically how many yellow cards does it take I mean how many fouls does it say, take sorry to win a, a yellow card off this referee not many if you're a Villa player <laughs> yeah it was, it was a poor poor show the last ref that we had at Villa Park as well for the Tottenham game <clears throat> I remember it wasn't particularly good either. But yeah, a, a poor performance, wasn't it? Um, there was just lo- lo- there was lots of tackles where you thought the player would won had won the ball, and then but no, and then it's a yellow card, and it's very bitty uh, in times. And then yeah, just some dodgy decisions. Even as you say for Brighton, I think there was one where Matoma went down the line, crossed it, clearly got blocked by yeah. I presume it was Mike Cash, and he gave a goal kick. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. The only change that I thought, unless I've missed it the whole time was when I went to VAR. Afterwards, they showed a little screenshot, didn't they, of the decision. I don't know if you noticed that, unless I've missed it before. I think that's Yeah, that was the first time. I mean, it, it didn't it didn't show me anything. Like, I don't know what yeah. I'm supposed to take from those screenshots. Yeah, I forgot my glasses today, so I couldn't see anyway. So. <laughs> I'll, tell you, I'll tell you the one that got me. What's the lad who came on for them defender at centre-half? Came on for Webs. Is it Van Heck or something like that? I yeah, Van, I think... He came yeah. on, and there was a time where he was under pressure on the end of his box, at the edge of his box. And he has kicked the ball, and it has gone straight into his goalkeeper's hands. Yeah, and that if that's not a backpack, what is he doing with it? If he's not intending to pass that back to his goalkeeper, yeah, what is he yeah, doing yeah. with it? Is it a clearance behind in the halt end, and his goalkeeper's caught it? Just two little, two little things yeah, like yeah. that. I mean, the Mings one looked harsh on me, the yellow card, but I don't know whether he's coming slitting from yeah. behind. I've not he, seen he kept, it again. Did you see the motion he kept doing the ref? Like he's basically saying you've you've swept him basically. But come on. Yeah, I just thought, and there was the there was we had this last time, didn't we, against Spurs with a high line, and uh, and was it Matty Cash that he, he took took ages to, to raise his flag first half? I think Matty Cash made a block. People were throwing the bodies in everywhere, and we've said it before, and it's a cliche, but somebody's going to get injured by that flag, and I know it's a directive from from the leagues. So you can't always dig out the 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 officials on it, but it's just such a frustrating rule. That they've got to wait and wait and wait before they can put the flag up for things where they're quite clear and obvious. Blatant. I think that's the annoyance of it. It's, you can clearly see, I think that one was when NC Solo was behind our line, quite obviously behind the line. And then they continue and we're getting mad because we know it's offside and we know he's going to raise the flag. And then, yeah, I think Cash uh, stretched out, I don't know, could have pulled his hamstring on the other day and someone blocked the ball, could have had it, you know, to the nose or something. I have no idea. But it's those decisions that are infuriating. And then there was a couple more where he did put up his flag which then goes against the rule in the first place, which were tighter. So it's just a mess. So, yeah, the last couple of games, officials have been poor and you just want a game where you don't even talk about them and then they've had a good game. But yeah. that, is, that hasn't been the case for much of this season. Hmm. That's enough about the ref. No one cares. Um, talk to me, somebody, about Jacob Ramsey. Because, again, we've talked about him so many times now. and There's periods where he'll get a bit of stick because he doesn't have a great game or whatever. We kind of go, look, he's only 21, specifically 22 today. Happy birthday, Jojo. What a birthday, 23. by the way. Qualifying for your... Is he 23? No, nah, he's 22, I think. I think I think if a fella called Jack Grealish didn't exist, 
And people mm. will say rivals Grealish anyway now, but I think they're different, very, very different types of footballer. I think yeah. if Jack Grealish didn't exist, then Jacob Ramsey would be our best um, academy graduate for, for a generation. Uh, yeah, the fact that we're even mentioning him in the same breath as Jack Grealish is just... I think sometimes we see him as this kind of all-action kind of, I don't know, box-to-box energetic midfielder who can who can run and you know really explode forward and carry the ball. I think technically sometimes I think we over over overlook his technical brilliance as well. You know, listen, sometimes he'll give the ball away, but very often or or more or less more times than not, he will pick the right option. Um and I just I think that I can imagine Emery loves him, to be honest. And I think Dean Smith, Stephen Gerrard, and now Emery. Every manager who's got their hands on him in recent years has seemed to have managed to elevate him to another level. And it's one of these ones where I talk about players being called up for England. I don't really care in terms of I want him, I want players to perform for my football club. But in terms of the recognition that they deserve, I find it a snub. I find it harsh on him because I think what he's doing and what he's doing consistently, again, it's going under the radar. But it's massively appreciated. And I think it's fundamental to what Emery wants to do and the way Emery wants to play. Yeah, it is. I agree with all that. But didn't he win that thing the other day, like the Academy Graduate of the how, Year or whatever? How long that exist? Is, that, is that a new thing or not? Or I, think, that... I think I saw a graphic that had five winners on it, I think, and Ramsey's one of them. It was like Mason Mount won one, Trent yeah. maybe won one for Liverpool. Can't remember the others. Saka possibly for Arsenal. So he's in good company for that. But ultimately, Looks a bit like a scout really bag, though, doesn't it? Looks like something yeah. you'd win for packing enough carrier bags on the, you know, down at Tesco <laughs> or, do you know what I mean, tidying your room or whatever it might be. We're a token one, but there's recognition and there's recognition, isn't there? Do you know yeah, what I mean? The way he carries the ball, I know the comparison with Jack is there, and I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm making that either, but the way he carries the ball and dribbles with the ball in like tight spaces is very Grealish-esque, I think, in, in some aspects, but... Also very different in the same in the same breath. It's it's hard. His deliveries as well was spot on today, and you know, no yeah, one dig out, dig out Luca Dean. There was an opportunity first half where Luca Dean's gone down, gone down the, the left flank, and we know he doesn't push on as much as Moreno, but and he's delivered a, a chipped floaty ball that's gone too far to the back post. Whereas Ramsey has driven there and he's picked a right up. You know, he's either drilled it low or he's looked up and picked a low pass, and it's just. Seems to be little bits of wisdom in there, and like I said, I think you can just see little bits of his game getting better and better. Um, yeah, talking about contracts, what what what's he on? You know, do we know how long he's tied down for? He Is signed it, a new did he one. Did he sign a one? Twenty twenty seven. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I'd, I'd echo everything that's just been said there. He is uh, twenty two. Yeah, I wrote a post in the other week, so I should have known that. Um, and in that, and I've, I think I've said it before, and Matt's touched on it there. It, it was like. When Jack was coming through and Jacob was sort of beneath him and he didn't, he wasn't quite in the limelight. And then I feel like Carney, when he was coming through last year and the Gerard, everyone sort of focused on him because he was, or he does have big promise. But all of a sudden, he's now got, is it 101 Villa appearances and nearly 100 Premier League appearances? And you're right, he has so many strings to his, like, he's, you would think he's that player, as you say, that carries the ball and that can create and open up a defence. But his first few games for the club were away against Wolves, away against Leeds, and he's been asked to do a job by Dane Smith, which is to, um, you know, pack out the midfield and use his physicality. Because for a player who, as you say, is 22, he's he's already, not not a specimen, but he's big and he's built out already. And say, mm. 100 
um, senior appearances of that age, most of them in the past couple of years have been starts anyway. So yeah, as you say, it must be a dream to work with for for those managers. And in terms of his progression, I've said it before, and people can say what they want about Steven Gerrard, but just being alongside him and learning from him and having that sort of tutelage of here's what a or maybe the best Premier League midfielder or England international, uh, former captain, England captain, how he went about it, that could have only done well for him. And then it's you know, obviously having Emery after him is one of the best managers in European football. Dean Smith brought him through and gave him the opportunity in the first place. Before that, Darren Moore, I think he um, mm. compared him to David Platt, how he arrived in the box. So we're seeing all these assets to his game that have all uh, been developed by different managers. And now he's at the point where he's working with one of the best in the Premier League. And again, yeah. in Europe, he's only yeah. going to uh, improve. Old folks like me, don't necessarily call them CDMs or CAMs or whatever. We call them midfielders, and uh, I think he's got bits of his game that he can do all of those jobs. Yeah, um, and I think somebody said in the comments, you know, talking about his his humility, and you know, don't jinx it now in case they're all all on the lash um, tonight. <laughs> but you don't hear much bad thing. You don't hear anything bad. About him, he's a young kid living the dream. He's a Villa fan from Great Bar. I sure think I'm talking about him now. He's um, a Villa fan from, from Great Bar. You know, he's playing in a team in the top echelons of the Premier League. And this is not a dig at Jack Grealish because Jack Grealish <laughs> took a while to learn these kind of things. But, you know, some, some, some would probably say they've got some dirt on him now. I've never heard any dirt on Jacob Ramsey. So the fact that he can, he can come to terms with this and be humble enough to kind of carry this and yeah. just crack on with your life and just be, be become a kind of consummate professional. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at Shopify.com slash special offer all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I think a lot of that. Family. Yeah, I, I think you've nailed it there, Matt. He's obviously got uh, his brother Aaron and then he's got Cole as well in the under-15s or 16s at Villa. I think his dad uh, fought Ricky Hatton and stuff like that. Yeah, you wouldn't. Yeah, you'd do what you're told. Yeah. You? That's fine. <laughs> but yeah, he's come from his background, his, his, his family. There's lots of reasons why uh, some professionals make it and some others might not um, and I think the reason why he's progressed so well and as you say comes from or is sort of exuding so much as you say um, I don't know he's he sort of he's beyond his years isn't he really in that in that respect he hasn't had to have sort of worked with um, you know in terms of years to get to where he is he, he's here now and probably working with Ashley Young players like that as well was probably done in the world of good um, mm. like Jude Bellingham is probably the perfect example his family as well, that, that sort of upbringing that they have. Uh, Job obviously doing his bit now, I think he's playing for Sunderland um, after leaving Blues. But those 
players get there for a reason. And I think Jacob is, for whatever reason, he hasn't had that sort of limelight. Now he's getting it at the age of 22. But I think it's probably a year or two overdue, really. Yeah, and it's probably better in terms of keeping him grounded to get that limelight at 22 rather than 17 and be kind of turned down a different path. In a way, being behind Jack Grealish and almost Khan is sort of stealing the limelight in a little way. He's, he's always just done his work. Um, yeah. Doing extra sessions with Richard O'Kelly at Bodymore, that sort of stuff. I'm sure loads of players do it, but he's sort of the fruits of that are really bearing from now. Yeah, I've got to go at half past. I've got to get some butter for our mashed potato. Um, yeah, it, we're going to be done by then. There's a couple of points I want to mention very quickly. I was going to mention Douglas Suiz. I thought he was very good because he was absolutely everywhere. Player of the season. Brilliant. Um I'm really hoping that his new contract doesn't involve some kind of Champions League release clause and he's off in the summer because he, when he's parading around the pitch at the end and he's kissing the badge and he looks like he absolutely loves it and I would love him to be kind of... Beyond Diego's his shoulders at some stage. Yeah, he was absolutely oh God, loving it. That's an accident when it happens. I think he come out in like sliders and carrying a bottle of something like straight away at the end. It's like he's absolutely loving it. I hope he's he here for a very, goal. very long he time. He his goal celebration. He, he was blowing absolutely, as he should. Everybody. He was brilliant. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. as he should. Um, so, shout out to him. Shout out to Ollie Watkins for scoring his first goal, I think, since having his child. Um, 15 in the league now for him, the first player to score that many in the season since Benteke scored 19. Again, 10 years ago, I think, nine years ago, something like that. Beating his first target of scoring 14 in his first season. And it's again, he's been on a bit of a barren streak over the last few weeks, but his upturning form in 2023 is a big reason why we got to where we are. And it's, again, it's his goal today that seals the deal. So yeah, shout out to Ollie Watkins. Bought him a fish tank as well. I did. <laughs> I did indeed. I've heard that once or twice. <laughs> Another thing I want to mention very quickly, and we shouldn't give this airtime, but I have to because I'm in this kind of mood, from Brett, who's a Spurs fan, who says, is this the pointless podcast that will endure the pointless European seventh spot? And he's now <laughs> arguing with the Villa fans in the comments about how big Spurs are as a club. You're not big. Spurs are a tiny club. Harry Kane's leaving. You've got no manager. You've got no sporting director. You've got no fans. Come yeah. back later uh, when people care about Spurs. Well, the badges are <laughs> exactly. <pretty> much. <laughs> exactly. No one cares about Spurs. If it's so poor, it's why you're still watching. We're here for Villa. That's what we care about. See you later. Um, where else did I want to go very quickly? Um, <laughs> that was it for the game, really. I've got no other specifics in terms of the match, in terms of players. We could go on and on all evening about certain individuals. But again, that was just... Uh, a lovely, lovely performance from an Emery side. So what else well, you, do you want to mention, Matt, very quickly? You were saying, Dan, that um, the pre-match seemed to be spot on in terms of encouraging people to get there early, cranking mm. up the atmosphere, the, the flames that were going... I think a couple of flames weren't working, were they? I don't know. Splitting airs. But at half-time, <laughs> the prize where it lies, it wasn't up to its usual standards. <laughs> mate. No. I'm sorry. I'm, no. I don't, don't want to be that guy. But first of all, it came out late, and I can understand yeah. what it came out like because Villa played a, played a lovely tribute to that was good people that we've lost. So yeah. that that already kind of squeezes down your time frame. It wouldn't it wouldn't settle, would it? They had to the bit the edges. They had to stand on 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 bits of it. Um, it's just a subpar performance, isn't it? From Prizewright Lawyers, it's not what you want on the last day of the season. Oh, it's it's standards, but having that, we we had two winners today. So this chaos yeah. that ensued. The sprinklers are on, so the subs were warming up right in the line of fire as far as where it lies. I can't remember the fella's name, but he took ages to take to take. What a was shot. he doing? Um, but somebody's won. Was it Castore and 
fanatics? I can't remember specifically. They won 150 quid voucher for the club shop, the first person. I, I don't know what the second person won because they were shouting out the Pride Reward winners that, or something that was, during that. That was where the club let themselves down because you wanted to create a big second half atmosphere. And as the players <laughs> are coming out of the pitch, you're still telling, I don't know, Brian from wherever it is, <laughs> from that he's won, won some vouchers. But I'm splitting airs, mate. It was a great day. So I'm sorry, Vela. I'm not. I that a freestyler as well, doing some skills on the side, which I thought, like, what's going on here? There's all sorts yeah. going on. You, you didn't know whether to watch the training. The prize were at large, the freestyler. Oh, <laughs> mate, you wait till you went to the Conference League semi-final when they've got me up and down the touchline. <laughs> I'm, I'm a unicycle, I'm telling you. That was the last thing I was going to mention. So for... Oh, I haven't got it on here. Oh, no. Basically, oh, that's really annoying. When I loaded up StreamYard, I streaming service and going out I'd put the unicycle clip in from I don't know when it was but I dug it out and found it you not got the evidence got mate never said it I've never said it it's on my laptop downstairs that's really really annoying because I was going to play it and obviously this is live so I can't edit it in but you said on whatever date it was if Aston Villa get into Europe I will learn Europe this season I will learn to ride the unicycle so Matt Kendrick are you a man of your word I am well, I can't ride oh, yeah? it yet <laughs> I'm going to learn my um, my dad. Uh, I've probably said this before. My dad's a church warden at a church in Smethwick, and I've been asking him in the last couple, of, knowing what was going to happen. I've been asking him, you know, where the toilet block is, Dad? Is there a little corridor there where I can practice? So, <laughs> anybody in the wider Smethwick area, if they t- if they see me dressed as a hockey goalkeeper, turning <laughs> up with a unicycle over my shoulder in the next couple of months, I did say by the end of the calendar year, though, Dan, I didn't you did, say. Yeah. You know That's what I mean? Cool. I've got I've got a six or seven month run up. Or roll up at this, so don't. That doesn't mean you're going to do it. No, but I'm going to practice. I'm going to try. Okay. I'm will you bring try. the Will you bring the unicycle to the live show? Why though? Because I would love to try and see you attempt it I'm in front not... of a crowd. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm not. Okay. Stabilizers. You can start I'm training. Not... There. Yeah. I will give that. you. I will donate. Now. Oh, <laughs> let me do it on my own time. Let me practice and let me let me master it to a degree. <laughs> Okay. We'll do a mid-season one, won't we? We'll do a mid-season one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So we'll do, a, we'll do another live show at some point in 2023 and you will attempt to ride the unicycle in front of a crowd. <sighs> or there will be video of me riding it not in front of a crowd. That's the okay. other option. Deal. Shake on it. by you. <laughs> okay. Deal. Um, that's it for this show the post-match reaction the final one of the season Matt and John thank you both for your time this evening and thanks to the 950 people plus the Spurs fan watching this on the Sunday evening we thank you for your support all throughout the season and thank both of you for joining me as well after every single game home or away um, some variation you can do a couple of shout outs like I said this is the last one so feel free go for it there's a guy that I never mentioned I told you about him but um, Postman Matt who I was was putting something in my car the other day and uh, this bloke did not the other day, a couple of probably six weeks ago. And this bloke did a double take, and I thought he was looking at me because a, a footballer had arrived over the hedge from the from the, the school, and I thought mm-hmm. he think he I think he thought I was going to smuggle it into my car, whether I was or not, doesn't matter. But he said he looked at me and he said, uh, "I'm just listening to you at the moment." <laughs> Is it you, Matt Kendry? I'm just listening to you. <laughs> so he was listening to me on the podcast at the time, and he got to see me in all my glory. So a big shout out to Postman Matt, who I think lives in the Rowdy Regis area. Um, then there was I was away last weekend in Shrewsbury with my wife and some friends, and my mate came to the bar and said, "You've been standing here for fifteen minutes. You need any help with the drinks?" 
I've not ordered them yet because I'm chatting to Jay, who's a Villa fan, who listens to the podcast, but he's based, he's based in Shrewsbury. So big shout out to Shropshire Jay. And there's another one chatting over lunch last week uh, with my friends. I've got a mate who hates football, knows nothing about football whatsoever. But for some reason, my name came up and he's he's a cat. Let me just find it. He's accountant, I think it was, or something. No, he's mortgage man, Glenn Walker. Uh, he's a big Villa fan as well. So I'm hoping that by giving him a shout out, he'll be able to get my mate a decent level of interest on in his mortgage. So uh, we're massive, mate, everywhere. Villa fans everywhere. So... And that's probably a, a nice place to end that uh, I've seen a lot of comments coming through and I've just said there this, this is the last show it's kind of like oh we'll see you in when the transfer window opens we're back tomorrow I, we'll be back filming videos throughout the summer break uh, some will again we'll talk about this more in detail at a later date some of it will be generic kind of here's our top five favourite kits ever or here's the best three Villa goals in our lifetime or whatever some will be breaking news some will be transfer related some will be reflections on Europe and looking ahead to next season as well We've also got the live show this Thursday at Hockey Social Club, which is, as of right now, it's a sellout. I'm going to make another kind of 10, 15 tickets available because inevitably people will not turn up. So I'm going to make a few extra available. So keep an eye on our, our social media for that. That's Thursday, this coming Thursday, 1st of June. We're filming it. It won't be live broadcast, but it'll be on the podcast probably next Saturday. So the 3rd of June, I think. Second, Yeah, 3rd of June. Um, we're back filming a podcast tomorrow, which is going to be like, what is the Conference League? When do Villa enter it? Who is going to be in it? Those kind of things. What Everything you need to know about the Conference League. Are we watching so, that, to be honest? I'm looking I, honestly, to that, I was John. looking through it going, I know we're in the playoff round, but are we in the first playoff round, the second playoff round? the third? Like, I don't know yet, so we're going to go away and find out everything you need to know and share that. So just because this is the last game and the last post-match show of the season, we're not going to kind of disappear now till July 1st or August 1st. We'll still be here producing content two or three times a week at least so stay subscribed subscribe to Clarence Blue uh, so you don't miss anything that we post we'll see 375 of you at Hockley Social Club this Thursday that's going to be one hell of a party now that we've qualified for Europe so that's going to be a great night you two thanks for joining me as always the 950 people watching thank you without you this podcast would be nothing at all so um, yeah lots of love and we will see you tomorrow with the Europa Conference League video and then it'll be Thursday at Hockey Social. Cheers, gents. Cool. We'll see you soon. Up the Europe. Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue and Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please do let us know. We love hearing your thoughts and comments. We'll be back soon with another episode, but until then, up the Villa. Yeah.